Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you for loving us and sending us your Son and leaving your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for being with us. And I pray especially, Father, for every person that's here tonight, those watching by the Internet, that, Father, you'd open up our heart to be able to receive the things that you've brought us all together for. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you to be working and that, Father, this would break through any barriers that have been raised in our life, regardless of what the circumstances are. We believe that your power is present to heal tonight, right here in this place. And we receive it. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You know, that first song that Jamie was singing, we, uh, when we started in ministry, we used to meet in Seagullville, Texas. That's the first place I ever pastored a church. And we met in this little place. It was a coffee house, Christian coffee house. If any of you were turned on to the Lord back during the charismatic days, we did that. And we had uh, electrical spools with wine bottles in the middle and a candle in it. And they turned off the electricity because we couldn't pay our bills. And so... <laughs> We would sit around and we would just worship the Lord. We had church five nights a week and we would worship the Lord for at least one hour, usually two to two and a half hours, just worshiping the Lord. And you know, it never failed that you get into a place like that where you're just worshiping the Lord. God always spoke. Either there would be a question and I'd just spend my whole time answering the question and, and dealing with things. Or there'd be a prophecy come forth or something else. And anyway, that song, one night, we were just worshiping the Lord and in the presence of the Lord. And that song just came out. And uh, I tell you, it's still ministering to us 40 years later or however long that's been. And that's, that's awesome. So I'm a teacher. I am not a praise and worship guy. I feel a little bit out of place. But you know what? The Word of God has a lot to say about praise and worship. And so I just want to share some of the things that the Lord has spoken to me. I love praise and worship. It's a big part of my life. I use it a lot. I listen to a lot of praise and worship. And like I was saying with uh, some of the uh, speakers here tonight, I just turn the volume up so loud I can't tell that it's not me singing. And I, I'll go through and I'll be working around our property and I'll put, in head, I put on headphones and I'll listen to the same song and sing the same song at least 100 or 200 times in a day, just worshiping the Lord as I'm doing stuff. And it's, it's important. The Scripture talks about singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. I have a book in, uh, teaching entitled The Effects of Praise. And I want to talk about a little bit of that tonight. I've got a lot of things I would love to share. I've never been to one of these before, but I've always wanted to speak at a praise and worship seminar <laughs> because I've got a lot of bones to pick with a lot of Christian music. But I am pretty sure, just based on the little bit that I heard Daniel share on this subject, I know kind of what he's going to talk about, and I don't want to steal his thunder. So, I'm going to stay away from that, but let me just make one comment, and I'll let Daniel expound on this and everything. 
But you know, most of what I hear as Christian music is pitiful. And um, the thing that offends me is not the, the tunes. It's the way that it is begging and pleading with God. Like there are so many songs about, Oh God, just come and be with us. And Oh Lord, touch us. And it sounds so pathetic. And, and don't get me wrong, there are a lot of people like that. But the scripture teaches us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. I actually was in church one time and we were having a tremendous praise and worship service. And I mean, I, the Lord is always with us. But there was a manifest presence of God. I was just enjoying the presence of God. And right in the middle, the praise and worship leader said, Oh God, come. Oh God, be with us. And started begging God. And as far as I was concerned, the Lord just walked out the door the moment he did that. Now, I know he didn't, but I'm saying that it just, it ruins the thing when people start begging God for something that he's already done. And one of the revelations that has made a huge difference in my life is to understand that it's, all, it's already done. You've already got everything. You don't have to ask God to come and be with you. He's always with you. You don't have to beg God for these things. People will sing the song out of uh, Psalms chapter 51 where David's saying, O oh Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Take not your presence away from me. That's a terrible song. It's a great tune and it's scripture, but that was the Old Testament. Today we've got a promise that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And for us to sing a song like that and go back to David's day is like a slap in the face to Jesus. Amen. Denying what he's done. So I believe that praise and worship should be glorifying God for what he's already done. Thanking him. We sang a lot of songs tonight about just thanking him and talking about how mighty he is. Those are the kind of... Songs that we should be singing, not begging God to do something that He's already done or griping and complaining about how bad everything is. I heard Charles Capps one time say that he was praying and the Lord just stopped him in the right in the middle of his prayer and said, Charles, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm praying. And he said, you aren't praying, you're complaining. And you know, there's a lot of people say they're worshiping the Lord, but the truth is all they're doing is just giving vent to their hurt, to their emotions. I'm not saying that we don't have hurts. I'm not saying that those things don't exist, but you don't glorify it. You don't put it in a showcase and sing about it and amplify it. Man, you glorify God and you overcome your problems by thinking about how good He is. And if you feel like a worm, just praise God that He loves a worm like you. <laughs> Amen. There's always something that you can be praising God about. So anyway, I'll let Daniel deal with that. But I just had to say that much. Amen. Let's turn over to Psalms chapter 96. You know, there's so many scriptures about praise and about worshiping the Lord that uh, it's hard to pick one. But I want to amplify on just one point tonight. Uh, if, if any of you have ever heard my teaching on um, the effects of praise, I, I talk about three basic categories about how praise affects us. That is super important. Praise, I've often said that if you, don't pra if you aren't a praising person, if you aren't a thankful person, it shows you're spiritually sick. A healthy person 
praises and is thankful. If you aren't thankful, and I don't care what your situation is, if you aren't thankful and if you can't see beyond the immediate problem and see the long uh, term and the end results that the Lord has provided, then you're sick and weak spiritually. That's not to condemn you. It's just to say that that is not the way that God made it to be. Take, praise is like taking your spiritual pulse. If you are a thankful, praising person, it shows that you've got a healthy pulse. If you don't have it, then there's a problem in your life that needs to be fixed. So praise affects you. Praise affects the devil. People talk about that, and that's a powerful truth. Matthew chapter 21 with Psalms chapter 8. It's strength and it's power to still the enemy and the avenger. And man, you can use it like a weapon, and that's wonderful. But you know another effect of praise that not everybody fully understands, I know that I didn't for a long period of time, is how praise affects God. And most people don't really think about this. We use it for our own edification and to build us up, and we use it as a weapon against the devil to overcome things. But you need to understand how praise affects God. And this is just one passage of Scripture. There's many, but in Psalms chapter 96, it says, O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare the glory of the... Uh, Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all the people. And it just goes on. But it's talking about in verse 2, Sing unto the Lord and bless His name. Now I just want to amplify on this for a moment because uh, I don't know how many of you have heard of this lady, Sandy Brown. But back again, 20, 30 years ago, Sandy Brown was a, a really strong, popular evangelist. She could get a fence post to get convicted and want to get saved. I mean, she was just awesome. But Sandy Brown, when she first got saved, was a cocktail waitress in Las Vegas. And she had virtually no background in the Lord at all. And she got saved, and it just transformed her life. And she started going to church, and she heard people talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And, and if that was something from God, she wanted it. And so she went up to somebody and asked, what is this? And they explained a little bit. And she says, well, how do you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, well, you just start blessing the Lord. You just bless the Lord. And then all of a sudden you start speaking in tongues. And that's all the instructions that they gave her. So since she didn't know very much, she went home and she had had a little bit of exposure to being a Catholic. And she figured since it was the word baptism, it had to do something with water. So she filled up her bathtub with water and sat in the bathtub. And she lit candles around the, the bathtub and put them all around the bathtub. And then she just sat there going, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, saying bless the Lord over and over. And you know the goodness and the grace of God, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in spoken tongues. But you know, that's a, way, a lot of people when you talk about bless the Lord, they'll say, oh, bless the Lord. But saying bless the Lord doesn't necessarily bless the Lord. What does it mean when it says, sing unto the Lord, bless His name? Again, we get religious words that we just use and we don't think about what it means. But I want, I want you to think about this, that when you worship God... It blesses God. God is blessed 
by your praise and your worship and you expressing love unto Him. Now again, this is a concept that not everybody has. Uh, I was raised in a denomination where it was all about do something for God. You've got to show your love and devotion to God by the things that you do. We used to sing this song, My hands were made to help my neighbor. My feet were made to walk in His Word. And my eyes were made to read the Word. I was born to serve the Lord. And there's a truth about that, that we should serve God with our actions and everything. But it left the impression that the only way you could really glorify God or do anything to bless Him was to do something for Him. You had to go out and do a work. We even used to have this um, um, poem in the Baptist church that says, Mary had a little lamb, it would have been a sheep, but it joined the Baptist church and died from lack of sleep. And that's what it was all about. You just had to do something for God. And I mean, you were just doing and doing and doing all of the time. It was just, we became human doings instead of human beings. And it was all about doing something. And so I had this concept that you had to do something to really glorify God. And I was constantly evaluating, have I done enough? Is God pleased with me? And I went around with a sense of unworthiness and a sense of condemnation that kept me from ever really feeling like I had blessed the Lord. And that's what it was all about. It was about doing something. Matter of fact, Daniel, I met Daniel at a uh, conference. I mean, I met him at a church in Greeley, Colorado. And I remember one of those conferences that they had a missionary come. And this man was trying to make the point that the only reason that God has left us here on this earth is to do a work for God. It's so that you could lead another person to the Lord. And so the way he phrased it was that the sole justification for your existence is to lead another person to the Lord. You have no other purpose. If God just wanted to bless you or to do something, He would take you to heaven. The reason He left you here, the sole purpose for your existence is to do a work for God. Lead somebody to the Lord. And I understand why he was saying it. And I'm not saying that it was 100% wrong. But you know, as he was saying that, the Lord just spoke to me and he says, well, then what were Adam and Eve's purpose? They didn't have anybody to lead to the Lord. They didn't have any clothes to believe for, any ministries to pray for. They, and you know, if you're really spiritual today, it's not about you getting a bigger house and a bigger car and you getting all this stuff. But if you're really spiritual... It's all about you interceding for somebody else to get all of those things. Adam and Eve didn't have anybody to intercede for. They didn't have any demons to bind. They didn't have anything to pray about. So what was the purpose of their existence? Look at this verse over in Revelation chapter 4, and this is a view into heaven. This is what's going on in heaven right now. And it talks about the 24 elders and the four living creatures. And they fall down and worship Him day and night and throw their crowns before the throne. And then in verse 11, here's what they're saying. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God created Adam and Eve for His pleasure. He loved us. He loved mankind. He wanted to bless us. He wanted fellowship. And I think that there's more to it than this, but I think one of the reasons that He gave us a free will is because He wanted us to worship Him 
freely, not as a robot that he just pushes a button and we say, bless you. But we do it cheerfully, and I think that that, I think that, that was so important to God that he was willing to let sin come into the earth Billions of people suffer and die. The terrible things happen and ultimately it cost him his own son because he wanted our love and affection back of a free will. And he considered what we just did tonight, worshiping him, worth all of the suffering and the things that have happened. That's pretty awesome. And this is what they... This says that this was the original purpose... For His pleasure we are and were created. That means that this hasn't changed. You know, there's a lot of things that have changed since the uh, beginning. For instance, the church is actually an afterthought. As much as I believe in the church, and the church is definitely the center of God's will and what He's doing here on this earth, there wouldn't have been a church if there hadn't have been sin and rebellion. That wasn't part of God's original plan. Governments are ordained by God. And so those things are necessary, but there wouldn't be any need for governments if there was no sin and if everybody loved each other. There'd be no need for money. We live with money and we have to deal with money. But you know what? If everybody just thought about giving and loving other people and you were just living for somebody besides yourself, we wouldn't have money today. We wouldn't have politics. Thank you, Jesus. We wouldn't have a lot of things. So there's a lot of things that are now a part of our life and the Lord uses them and works inside of them, but there's not a lot that was original that is still that same way. One of those things is that we were created for His pleasure. And God gets pleasure out of you, just you, not all of the things that you do. That's part of it. I'm not saying that we quit doing things, but God loves you and not just what you do. One time when our kids were real little, Jamie and I were on a holiday with them and we climbed over to these mountains and we went up and we were at about 11,000 feet. We went until the road ended. We took the trail until it ended and we just struck out across the mountains. And we came upon this beautiful lake that was awesome. And I mean, there weren't any trails to it as far as we could tell. It looked like we were the only people that had been up there ever. And there were flowers. It was in July and the flowers were out and there were plants that were four and five feet tall. Beautiful flowers. I mean, there was millions of flowers around this thing and it was just awesome. And I looked at that and I told Jamie, I said, this is amazing. Look at all of the work, the effort that God went to, how beautiful all of this is. And we might, those flowers only last for a week or two. I said, we might be the only people to see it. Look at all of the effort that God went to just to do this for us. And Jamie corrected me and she says, he created this for his pleasure. It wouldn't have mattered if we'd have seen it. God enjoys it. Now see again, this is th that reflected an attitude that people, there has to be, why did God do this? Why did God bless you? And they always try and turn it around. It's so that you can minister to somebody else. And sure, that's true. We use the things that God does in our life to bless other people and minister to them. But you know what? God doesn't just do things for you so that He can get you to do something for Him. He's not just looking for somebody to use. God loves you. 
And if there was nobody, if it was like Adam and Eve, and if there was nobody to hear your testimony, God would do things for you just because He loves you. And you know what I consider praise and worship is just saying thank you to God and blessing Him. And I believe that it just makes God, His heart, do a flip-flop when we come to Him and tell Him how much we love Him. And, and you know, again, think about this. Adam and Eve, they weren't thanking the Lord for the majestic, the powerful things, how He parted the Red Sea, how He brought His children out of Egypt, how He raised somebody from the dead, how all of these things happened. Adam and Eve were just saying, God, what a beautiful sunset. What a great place You made for us. Man, I saw this animal today that its neck was longer than its body. I named it a giraffe. I saw this thing called a duck. I named a duck-bill platypus. It's like you had all of these parts left over and you just put them into this one animal. And they were just praising him. Man, it's awesome what you did. And the horse is just beautiful. And they were just thanking him for the things that they had, for the temperature, for him being with them. It was nothing that was earth-shattering. And you know what? God meant with them in the cool of the evening just so that he could have his children say, you did a good job. Great job. Awesome job. And I think that this is what praising the Lord. Sure, if, if there's something dramatic that has happened in your life, we should praise God for that. But you know what? We ought to be praising God. Like I drove in today and there was a sign on a veterinary clinic that says, Smile, you're in the mountains. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That's really something to smile about. I grew up in Texas. I got here just as quickly as I could. Amen. <laughs> I love it here. But you know what? We ought to be praising God that we get to live here. There's people in Phoenix that are just 110 today. Amen. What a deal. We are blessed. We got a lot to be thanking God for. And I think that it blesses God when we do that. God gets blessed by this. You know, I took my boys out when they were like five and seven. And I had a bunch of horses, and I let them invite one of their friends, and they came with them. And we went out all day long and rode those horses. We made a swing across the creek. We dammed up the creek. We got muddy. We got filthy. We ate junk food. We did everything that if Jamie was there, she wouldn't have liked it. And we just had an awesome time. And we did this for like eight, ten hours. And then when we got them home, we you know, cleaned them up. We had devotions. We prayed with them. And as I was leaving Peter's room, I turned the light off and he goes, Dad? And I said, Yes. And he says, You're a good dad. And you know what that did? It blessed me. He didn't go, Bless you, Dad. <laughs> but he just said, That was his way of saying, Thanks. You're a good dad. And you know what? It blessed me. It wanted me to get, it made me want to get him out of the bed and go back and do this all over again and go through eight, ten hours of all of this stuff just so I could say, you, you know, I could hear you're a good dad. And since then, man, I've told the Lord a thousand, hundred times, I don't know, you're a good dad. And just say thanks. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you that you love me. And you know what? God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalms chapter 22. This blesses God. There's so many things. You know, rather than turn to every one of these scriptures, let me just mention some things. But it says that um, 
in Acts chapter 13 that there was Paul and Silas and these other people that were together and they were fasting and praying and ministering to the Lord. How do you minister to the Lord? Again, we get these terms and we think that ministry is what I'm doing right now. You're preaching to somebody and telling you ought to do this and this is what we need to do, etc. This doesn't mean that they put a chair down and had Jesus sit in it and started <laughs> ministering to Him and you better do this and you need to do this and oh God, pour out your spirit and oh God, do this. When it says that they ministered to the Lord, you know what they were doing? They were just worshiping Him and thanking Him and they were blessing His name. Most people don't think God has a need, but the Bible says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. And anyone who loves has a need to have that love reciprocated. If you love somebody and they don't love you back, that's a tragedy. That's terrible. People kill themselves over that. That's a terrible thing. God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. He loves us passionately. We were created for His pleasure. He causes the sun to rise on us every day. He gives us all of the oxygen to breathe. You don't ever have to worry about running out of air. God provides our need. God does all of these things and all He wants is us just to say thanks. And you know what? When you do that, it blesses Him. And this is what praise and worship, I believe, is all about, is about blessing Him. It's not venting your frustrations, talking about how bad everything is, and singing, you know, nobody knows the trouble I feel. <laughs> nobody knows my sorrows. And further along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. I don't know why anybody would cheer up with that song, because there's nothing <laughs> cheerful about it. But that, you know, all those songs are just to vent your feelings and emotions, and it's really, in a sense, a criticism of God. That God, you hadn't done a very good job. I'm miserable. And we just vent and complain and beg God for things that He's already done. And I believe that God just longs to have people bless Him. That's what praise and worship. I believe, is all about. And once you begin to understand this, it changes everything. You start making your, your whole focus not about reaching out, but reaching up, blessing God, loving Him. And as you do that, God will never let you outgive Him. If you go to blessing Him, it's just like when my kids said, you're a good dad. I wanted to get up and go do something for Him again. You bless God. You say thanks. God is going to go out of His way to do something else because He just loves you and He appreciates the fact that you respond that way and He'll never let you outgive Him. He'll bless you more than you ever bless Him. And so it just begins this cycle. You say thanks and He just pours it on and then you start thanking Him for that and it just increases. And then ministry is a byproduct. It's like an overflow. It's like you're so full of God that you're just overflowing on people. You don't have to psych yourself up and make it happen. You know, one of the things that I really dislike about going into some churches is the fact that they take you in a back room before and they have to pray and ask the anointing to come and they ask God to touch you and to do all of these things. 
And I always think to myself, if you don't think I'm anointed, why did you ask me to come in the first place? How come you're waiting till five minutes before the service to ask? That's not the way that ministry is. You don't just come and go. You should be living in the presence of the Lord. You could wake me up out of a dead sleep, and I guarantee you, I could pray for you and see you raised from the dead. I don't have to psych myself up. You should, when you're in the presence of the Lord and you're loving God and you're enjoying His presence and you're full of the joy of the Lord, it just overflows on you. I, I go into stores and people say, how are you? And I, without thinking about it, I don't do it on purpose. I just say, I'm blessed. And you'd be surprised how that affects non-believers when you say that you're blessed. And you have to witness your way out of it and explain to them why, why you're saying that. It just happens. You don't have to force it on anybody. And so when you start doing this, it changes everything. And you just live a life of joy and peace. I'm telling you, if you aren't blessing God, you are missing the reason for your existence. It is true that God wants to use us. God uses me. But you know, I believe that when I stand before the Lord, more important than how many radio or television stations I was on, how many books, tapes, DVDs, etc. The number one thing he's going to ask me is about my personal relationship with him. And so many people, see, get, get, they get out of relationship. I've met a lot of people that started off with a great relationship and that's the reason that God promoted them and doors opened up and ministry opened up. And after a while, they get so much into the mechanics of it and to doing things and praying about their ministry increasing that they've lost their relationship with God. And uh, if you go to a minister's conference, you'll hear a lot of talk about burnout and stuff. All burnout is is people that have gotten their attention off of Jesus and they're now into all of the things that they've got to do and they no longer have that joy and that peace flowing through them and they're doing it in their own strength and power. It's just like people like Peter that took his eyes off of Jesus and you get to looking at the wind and the waves and you sink. That's all it is. And, and it all is about relationship. This is what's going on in heaven right now. They are worshiping the Lord and constantly giving Him praise and worship for all of the awesome things that He's done. And somebody's thinking, well, yeah, but you don't know the problems that I've got. Well, you don't know how good God is. I'm not denying that we have problems, but this, you know, Psalms 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That doesn't say that's the only thing that's going to follow you. There's problems. There's people that die. There's people that get mad. There's bad things that happen. I just dealt with some stuff today that could cost me $100,000. No big deal. Amen. <laughs> it's not a big deal. And, you know, I could sit there and look at the problems and look at this that's happening and all of these different things that's happening, but surely goodness and mercy are there too. It just depends on what you choose to look at. Are you going to look at the goodness of God and the mercy of God or are you going to look at your problems? If you're going to wait until all of your problems are gone before you start praising God, you'll never just let go and start praising God because there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be something that's going wrong. We have goodness and mercy with us at all times. One of my good friends has a saying, thank God things are as good as they are. <laughs> Which, you know what, it could be a lot worse. 
And we need to be thanking God that things are as good as they are and praising Him. And as we do that, that blesses God. Isn't that awesome to think that there is something that you can do? God, in this sense, has a need because He loves. Therefore, He has a need to have that love returned. And it doesn't get fulfilled by just your work, by the things that you do for Him, by the people that you lead to the Lord, by you living a holy life. All of those things are good. But God has a need to be loved. He loves us. And He wants that love returned. And in that sense, that's how these disciples were ministering to the Lord. And did you know, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have separated them. And they were sent out. But that came as a byproduct. Many people will only worship the Lord in order to get something from Him. It's really an, uh, it's an ulterior motive. It's not a true heart. Again, I, there's so much to say. I'm just going through this very quickly. But in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, you find uh, Paul and Silas thrown into uh, the dungeon. They were beaten in their feet and hands in the stocks. And at midnight, they started singing and glorifying God. And I've taught that myself. I've heard other people teach this, that it's a weapon against the devil. And when you go to praising God, it breaks the chains. And, you know, as they started praising the Lord, the Lord got to tapping his foot and an earthquake came, amen. And the, the prison doors were open and all of their chains fell off. And all of that stuff's true and that's good. And there's a place for saying all that. But you know what the greatest miracle of all was? That when their chains fell off and the doors opened, they didn't leave. Here's a radical thought. They weren't praising God in order to get something from Him. They were praising Him because they really meant it. How rare is that? There's lots of people that will praise God through gritted teeth because they know that it's going to release the power of God and it's going to get them out of their bind. But how many of you, if your prison door opened up and the shackles fell off, would keep praising God? And not only Paul and Silas... But did you know all of those prisoners? And there wasn't a single prisoner that left. The praise and worship was so powerful that even people who weren't born again yet, who were rapists, murderers, thieves, whatever it was that they were thrown in prison for, they would rather stay in prison with that presence of God than to be free. They stayed there when they could have left. Now that's rare. That's rare that people will worship God for who He is instead of what He can do. Instead of like, God, I'll give you some praise if you'll bless me back. But just to think that people would just worship God because He's worthy. And He's a good God. And that He loves us. And He created us for relationship with Him and fellowship with Him. That's rare as hen's teeth. And I believe that God is seeking people like that to worship Him. That's what God is looking for. You know, many years, this has been 30-something years ago, I ministered this on radio. And there was a woman in Huntsville Prison in Texas, and this woman was in for murder. 
And I don't know all of the details, but she wrote me this letter, and it was, you know, long back before we had computers or printouts or things like that. It was a handwritten letter. You could tell that she'd been crying, and her tears had stained that, and some of the ink had run. And she was telling me about how she had committed murder, and I forget the details, whether she was already born again when she did it or if she got saved in prison or whatever. But anyway, she was now a Christian. She was a spirit-filled Christian on death row, waiting to be executed. And she said that uh, they had her in solitary confinement, so she couldn't even witness to anybody. There weren't any cellmates. They didn't, the, she never saw a guard. They just slipped the, slipped the food under the door to her. So she had no way to touch another person's life. And she was just sitting there thinking about how she had taken another person's life. She had ruined her family. Her husband and children hated her. She had destroyed another family. The people, the relatives that were still alive of the person that she killed hated her. She was costing the government money. She was a liability in every way. There was no way for her to do anything to redeem. She was costing people money. Everybody hated her. Everybody wanted her dead. And she was just talking about how that she was a Christian. And she had spent, I forgot what it was, but years or whatever praying and asking God to kill her because she said, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything to advance your kingdom. I'd just rather die and go to heaven. And she was living like that for a long time. And then she heard me minister about blessing the Lord and she realized that it didn't matter if they put her in solitary confinement, whether she saw another person, whether she could ever impact another person or not. She could bless the Lord and thank Him for touching her life. And this woman wrote that and there was tears on that letter. And she was saying, man, I've got a purpose for living. She says, I've got a justification for my life now. And she says, I'm freer than I've ever been. And she was just glorifying God and praising God. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I believe that this is what God created us for. For this cause, we are and were created for His pleasure. God gets pleasure out of you, and especially when you just say thanks, when you glorify Him for the great things that He's done, and you express some faith instead of feeling, and instead of just going by how you feel, you go, you praise Him for who He is, and you start doing that. That's what you were created for, and not only does it bless God, but it gives you so much satisfaction. I don't know how that works. I don't have an explanation for it. But I can tell you there's been times that I've been overwhelmed just glorifying God and thanking Him for His goodness and I get blessed. I don't know how that works. But you reap what you sow. There's a lot of scriptural principles and I promise you that if, if you're depressed, and again, I'm not against anybody who's have a problem in their life. If you've been fighting depression, you may have a lot of things and say, you don't know my situation. Well, you don't know how good God is. I'm not saying that you don't have problems, but I'm saying if you were to just start thanking God for how good it is and talking about the good things that you have and glorifying those, and if you amplified those things and talked about that, it would fill you up. I personally believe it is impossible, impossible to be depressed when you live your life to bless God and to thank Him and just... Worship God. I don't think it's possible to be depressed that way. 
And some of you probably disagree with that, and you're welcome to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. <laughs> I'm telling you, I believe that's the way it is. You cannot bless God without you being blessed. If you're depressed, I'm not saying you don't have problems, but I am saying that you've taken your eyes off of Jesus and all of the good things that He's done, and you're looking at your problems, and you're looking at what other people have done to you, I had a person tell me today that they've been mad at the church and at Christians and at God for a year and something. And I just said, what do you have to be mad at God over? Nothing. God's not the one that causes problems in your life. There were things that happened to this person in a church situation and somebody fell and they're disappointed. But God didn't do that. Why get mad at God for what one of his children do? That's just illogical. I tell you, you need to be praising God for how good He is and just thanking Him for His goodness and focusing on this. This is what God created us for. And there is a part of you that will never ring true. It'll never be satisfied until you start fulfilling the purpose that you were created for. And that's... You know, God called me to teach and He called me to do a number of things, but my number one purpose is to be a living sacrifice, just to love Him, to have a relationship with Him, and everything else pales in comparison to that. You know, our ministry is doing really well at the moment. we got a great building program going. My future's bright. Great things are happening. But Jamie and I have been through a lot of hard times where there wasn't a single person, nobody who knew us that believed we were called. Nothing was working. And it took all the faith I had to believe that we were called because it just, nothing was working. But did you know that during that time, the thing that sustained me was it wasn't about my ministry. It wasn't about whether I was touching millions of people. It wasn't about these other things. It was my personal relationship with God. And I still had satisfaction and contentment in my personal relationship with God. And I was able to endure the hard times because I was still enjoying the presence of God. And even though other people were rejecting me and they, they acted like, man, you, you aren't anointed. I even had lots of people tell me that. Some of you probably still feel that way. But you know what? Because God loved me. It just was like, who cares about you? Who are you? And I was able to keep my focus and endure and persevere because of my personal relationship with God. And I really feel, brothers and sisters, this is not meant as a criticism, but just to help open our eyes, that this is why so many people are struggling and failing, stumbling fighting off depression and burnout and you can put all of these other terms to it and stuff like that but when you are in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore and that's just the way that it is there are no exceptions to that God's presence is always with us but we're not always focused on it we get focused on all of the other things and if you just go back to personal relationship with the Lord and just go to loving God and blessing him Say, God, I don't really want anything. When's the last time you came to God and didn't ask for something? Jamie's got this little cartoon on our fridge. I don't know if it's still there, but it was there for a long time. Family Circus. And it showed this mother 
praying and saying, I don't want anything. I just want to thank you for my family, for my kids, for how good you've been. And she didn't ask for anything. And all of the angels in heaven, they're, saying, they're ringing a bell and they're, they're saying, man, rejoice, somebody's praising God instead of asking for something. And all of heaven breaks out into rejoicing. I bet you there's people in here that it has been days or weeks or months since you just praised God because of His goodness instead of asking for something. And that's not to say that we don't have needs. But you know, when you bless the Lord, He'll just bless you so much that you won't have as many needs. And the things that you do need, it's just incidental. It's not a big deal. Doctor says, I'm going to die, but that's no big deal. Man, it'd be, it'd be awesome to go and be with you. That's what Paul said, for me to die is better. So, Father, I'm excited. If I die, that'd be awesome. But you know what? I believe it's your will for me to live. I hadn't finished, and so just thank you. I, I believe I'm healed. You speak to it and go on. It's no big deal. Amen? Man, God loves us. And I don't think that we understand how passionate He is about us. And some of you think, well, I'm not worthy. God wouldn't rejoice over me that way. If God loved you enough to send His Son and to die for you, I guarantee you He would be thrilled to have you just every once in a while say thanks. Thank you, Father, for a great day. Thank you that things are as good as they are. And you start doing that, and I believe that that's what praise and worship is. It shouldn't be begging God. We pattern a lot of our stuff after these Old Testament things where they prayed these prayers, but they didn't have what we have. They had to pray, Oh God, take not your Holy Spirit from me, because they didn't have a promise that He would never leave them nor forsake them. They didn't have a clean heart, and so they said, Create in me a clean heart. But we've already been cleansed. We've got this on the inside of us. We defile our mind and our emotions, but your heart never changes. And man, we just ought to be praising God for the new covenant that we've got. We've got a lot to be praising God for. I don't care how bad your situation is, it could be worse. You've got a lot to be praising God for. Man, if they slit your throat, praise God that it's a brand new knife. No rust on it, no germs. Thank you, Jesus, that was a clean knife. I don't have to deal with infection, praise God. There's something to always be praising God about. And you live a life like that just to glorify God, it'll transform you. Tomorrow morning I'm going to share some things that I've just laid a foundation for and it'll really, really help you if you could receive it. But I just want to make this one point. We need to bless God. And that doesn't mean just say the words. There's lots of people who go, bless God, bless God, bless God. And that doesn't bless God at all. It's just religious. And you don't have to say a certain thing, but it's just the attitude of your heart. When you just express thanks. Thank you, Father, for how good you are. Man, if nothing else... I believe in healing. I believe in prosperity. I've seen my son raised from the dead. I've seen miracles happen. I believe in those things. But you know what? If nothing else, and if you never got healed, thank you, Jesus, and I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah. 
I'll live forever with you. If you never saw your prosperity come in, thank you, Father, that I'm going to live in a mansion on streets that are paved with gold. If you're going through a divorce, praise God for that scripture that says in heaven, they don't marry nor are given in marriage. Thank you, Jesus. This is only temporary. You got something that you could praise God for regardless of what situation you're in. And I just want to encourage you as we start this praise and worship seminar that I believe that this is the focus of praise and worship. It's not, you know, I was talking with all the people at our table, Don and Daniel tonight, and I feel so many people have gotten caught up in the mechanics and they have these wonderful bands and it's great uh, talent and all of these things and yet they've missed the heart of worship. And it's become so professional that sometimes we miss God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be professional and that we shouldn't do good praise and worship. It says make His praises glorious. And so we are supposed to do it with excellence. But the emphasis has to be on the relationship with God and understand that God inhabits our praises. God gets blessed. I believe that God was blessed tonight as we were worshiping Him. You know, another thing that happened in Seagoville, Texas, that example I gave about us just sitting around and praising God, that Jamie had a vision one time. I think it's only once or twice that she's ever had a vision that I'm aware of. And she saw the angels according to, is it Habakkuk or Zephaniah that says, I will dance over you with joy. And she saw, as we were just worshiping the Lord, she saw the angels in that place just dancing over us. And you know what? I've never seen that. But I know that the scripture says that it's so. And when we were worshiping the Lord, I believe that angels were, were joining in. It says that those uh, four beasts in heaven, Revelation chapter 4, every time that uh, they would glorify God, that the elders would throw their crowns on the ground and worship the Lord. And it says that the beasts cease not to give thanks day and night. So that means that the elders were constantly throwing their crowns down, falling down, then getting up, straightening their robe, putting their crown back on, and then they'd... And it's just that's what's going on in heaven, just constantly. Just constantly praising God. And I believe that when we start praising God with a true heart, that God inhabits His praises, that there are angels in this place glorifying God. They just can't help because they know. They don't have the limitations that we have. They know the awesomeness of God much more than what we do. And yet we've experienced forgiveness, which they haven't. We got things to praise God for that an angel has never had to praise God for. And that's what praise and worship is all about. It's blessing God. It's not giving you a feeling. And again, everything has its place if it comes as a response to worship. But when you make these other things the goal, which I've been in so many churches, which, you know, we had, I think it was Beth tonight with a banner and doing some things. I've seen churches that get into the banners and the pageantry, and in its place, that's good, but many times that's the goal. Not worshiping God, but to have some kind of a pageant that would just really show that, man, this church is good, and look how long we practiced and you know what? I think that that's a stink in the nostril of God. It's just like he said, those sacrifices. He commanded the sacrifices, but he says, they're a stink in my nostril away with them. Because they had substituted the sacrifice 
for what it was intended to show, and that is our dependency upon God having to come and redeem us. They had lost their relationship with God, and they were into the formalism. This happens in our churches where we get into these stained glasses, and there's, again, nothing wrong with stained glass in a pretty church. But when you get to where you just... You just love this church. It makes you feel so good. You're missing God. I was just in a cathedral in Milan, Italy last week. This, this day, last week. And this huge cathedral. Today it would be tens of millions of dollars to build that thing. And everybody was just ooing and aahing. And I was saying, man, I don't think that this impresses God one lick. Think of all of the people who died and they, they took their money to build this monument to man and to their, what they're able to do and, and all of the junk that has gone on in there. We had a service that night in a hotel and I think God was inhabiting that service much more than He was that cathedral. But there's people that they just, oh, they love the, the trappings and they love all of this and we charismatics or whatever we are have our own traditions and we have to have people shout and jump and run and wave a banner and clap at a certain time. And all of those things are fine if they are a response to relationship with God and not the object. Once you get to where you try and make the way the service goes and this is what you're focused on and you're wanting all of these things instead of relationship with God, you've missed it. Let me end with this. Uh, I'm not sure about all of the details. I heard this secondhand, and I think the person I heard it from was secondhand too, so it may not be completely accurate. But this song about I'm coming back to the heart of worship, uh, the way that was represented to me was that Matt Redman, I think is the guy that wrote that, wasn't he? And that he was um, leading praise and worship at a church in London, and the pastor just got up and stopped the service. And he says, we're just going through the motions. This is formalism. We aren't really communicating with God. And I think it was something like four weeks or something. He wouldn't let them have a praise and worship service. They just met together and they prayed. And finally, after whatever period of time, he told Matt Redmond, he says, All right, now I think our hearts are right. Now let's worship God. And that song, they got up and just started worshiping. And that song came by the Spirit. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And... Uh, you know, that's powerful. And I believe that we need to always refocus and make sure that worship is about blessing God and giving to God and not just the effect it has on us or the devil or the way we like the feelings we get and stuff like this. But if you would do that, and then you can live that way. You can live in a place where every day you just say, God, you're a good God. And man, it makes God want to get you out of bed and give you a greater blessing and do something even more. Amen. And hopefully, during this seminar, I believe that the things that are going to be imparted are going to help us worship God in spirit and in truth and not just go through the motions and things like this, but that it'll be a real connection. That's what praise and worship is all about is connecting with the Lord. And if you don't really connect with the Lord, then you're just wasting your time. So I want to encourage you with that. And I think that tonight there may be many of you here that didn't understand the value that God places on you. And you might have been just like I was and like many people were and you thought the only way you could do anything 
that would bless God is do a work for God. Go out and lead somebody to the Lord. Pray and intercede. Bind. Do something. But you know what? Hopefully tonight, God has spoken to you that, you know, God loves you so much that if there was nobody for you to minister to, God would have died for you. If there was no, no way for Him to use you. It's not about using you. God loves you. And once He gets you, He'll get your service. But God's not after your service. He's after you. Most people see God like one of these cups that you stick a straw down in and you just suck it until you hear the at the end and then you throw it away and go get another one. And that's kind of the way they see God is He's just using you. He needed somebody to go do this. He wants you to do this and this and this and I've got to do this. And the moment you cease to be productive and do everything that God wants you to, well, then He puts you over on the shelf. He's through with you. He'll go get somebody else. God's not like that at all. God loves you, and even if you aren't doing Him any service at all, He loves you, and He died for you, and He's already provided all of these things for you, and He just longs for you to say thanks. And, and when you do that, man, it just blesses God. Isn't that something to think that we could bless God? God Almighty needs me to say thanks. And that bothers some people when I say that because they think that I'm impugning God's character or He's not almighty or self-sufficient. It's by His choice He chose to love me. It's not because He has an inherent need. He, but because He loves me, God longs for me to love Him back. And the same thing with you. And if you've never seen that before and if you've never placed that value on your life and if you've never understood how you could bless God like this. This could revolutionize your life for you just to make a decision that, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to bless you more than my needs, more than all of the things that I need. My greatest desire, the purpose of my life ought to be to bless you. And I'm just making a commitment that I am going to bless you I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. For I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Man, that's awesome. All of the time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know, if you... I hate, I don't know exactly how to say this because none of us do this perfectly. And every one of us could do it a lot more than what we do. But if you are one that you've gotten your eyes totally off of that and that you have come here discouraged, depressed or whatever, and your eyes are totally off of the Lord and you haven't been blessing the Lord, this is a new concept to you. I just want to ask you to stand right where you are and I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're just going to make a commitment that this is what we're going to devote our life to and head in that direction. And I believe if you will make that commitment that this will transform your life. So if that's you and if you'd like to say, man, I need this, I humble myself, I repent, I want you to stand right where you are and I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're going to pray and agree and I believe this is going to get you back on the right path. Anybody else? I know it's short notice. 
Some of you are thinking, man, I, what's everybody going to think if I stand? You know what? That really reflects something. Again, it's not about the Lord. It's not about what would please Him. It's all about you. You need to get over that. Somebody says, well, couldn't you have them bow their head and close their eyes? No, you need to humble yourself. I want you to do this while everybody's head is up and their eyes are open. Somebody's going to try and bootleg this prayer. You're going to stay seated and you say, I need this, but I'm not going to stand. I'm going to specifically pray this won't work unless you stand. Amen. you got to humble yourself. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we just thank you, Father, for your love for us. I pray that through the things that I've shared tonight, that the Holy Spirit would increase the value that we place on our own life because you love us so much that we would see that, Father, you desire us to praise you and to bless you. That, Father, it touches your heart that it blesses you. Father, I pray that you'd speak this to every person. Father, those that have been beat up by life or people, situations, and that have felt like they just are worthless or they failed, Father, I pray that you would give them value and worth tonight. Let them know that you love them, that you're proud of them. You may not be proud of everything that they've done, but you love them. You've accepted them. You see them in your Son. And Father, I pray that you would just cause thanksgiving to rise up in their heart, that they would begin to worship you and thank you right now and give unto you glory for the goodness that you've shown to us. Father, I pray specifically that our eyes would be taken off of our problems and our negative attitude would change and that we would begin to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that we would focus on you and what you've done and not what the devil's done. That we would look until we could find goodness and mercy that are following us. And we would keep looking until we see them. Father, I just thank you. And we make a commitment. You said in your word that you are faithful and just to keep that which we commit. So, Father, we make a commitment that we want to live our life to glorify you, to bless you, to give back unto you. You've given so much for us. Father, we want our whole life to just glorify you. Father, forgive us of our failure to do that and, and just give us this heart to put you first, to love you. Father, we want to be a thankful people. We don't want any rocks crying out in our place. We want to give you the praise that is due unto your name. And I thank you for just implanting this attitude into every person who's standing. That, Father, this would just overwhelm us. That we would start tonight by thanking you for all of the great things that you've done for us. And that, Father, in the morning we'd wake up and thank you for our life, for the opportunity that we have to serve you. And that, Father, this had just become a lifestyle that we live to bless you and to thank you constantly for how good you are. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we make this commitment and we know that you are faithful and just to keep that which we commit.
And we believe you're going to hold us to it. That you'll remind us of this. We'll go to bed thanking you. We'll wake up thanking you. We'll live our life thanking and praising you and blessing your name. Father, we agree and we receive that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I don't know who's here. I don't uh, know the whole situation. But I just want to give you an opportunity tonight that if you don't know Jesus personally, you need to accept salvation. That is the very first thing. Every person needs that personal relationship with God. The Scripture says we love Him because He first loved us. So you have to receive His love before you can ever return it. You can't even love God on your own. You need God on the inside of you to help you to bless Him and to do this. And you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. The Holy Spirit just causes this love to abound. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, all of these things. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you have it or not. There's a lot of people that come to my meetings. I know that many of you came because of all of the other speakers and stuff. But people come to my meetings and they don't realize I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit because I don't spit and shout and scream and wipe my fevered brow and I don't act Pentecostal. And so we have hundreds of people at every meeting that get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They didn't realize what they were getting into. And I don't know what your situation is, but if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes many things, but it includes speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, I promise you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. It will cause you to abound in faith and to do all of these things. I recommend it. And speaking in tongues is a part of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's not all that there is to it. It may not even be the biggest part, but I tell you, it is super important. You need to speak in tongues. And I always have people say, so you think you have to have this speak it in tongues before you go to heaven? No. You can go to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you can even get there quicker if you don't have it because you aren't going to have any power in you to overcome. So you can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, but why would you want to? Jesus said you'd receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. So, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need to receive that. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, I need one or both of those. I either need to be born again and or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Let me pray for you and we want to help you receive. Here's somebody back here. Anybody else? Here's another one. Anybody else? Here's a couple of more back here. I know some of you are thinking, what are you going to do to me? I'm going to give you a free book. What a deal, amen. Well, do I have to join your church? I don't have a church for you to join. We aren't going to take anything from you. We aren't going to do anything weird. We just want to help you to receive this because I promise you, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, it just made me fall in love with God. You cannot walk out what I've talked about tonight on your own. Our heart by itself will not seek God and love God and put God first. You have to have God's help. You have to have His Holy Spirit to accomplish this. So 
I just encourage you to respond. If you lifted your hand or if you were supposed to lift your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and we want to pray with you and help you to receive right here. Just come right down here to the front and we want to pray with you. Praise the Lord. Awesome, brother. God bless you. Just stand right here at the front. God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't this great? I tell you, I believe this is going to transform your life. It's awesome. Before I can pray with you about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, you first of all have to be born again. The Bible says Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit, so you've got to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody up here who's not absolutely certain about whether Jesus has really come into your heart, whether you've been born again or not? We need to pray with you first. Anybody? Are all of you sure? This is a question. That means shake your head yes or no. Okay, I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but you just got to be sure. And there's a lot of people today that just think, well, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? No, you must be born again. All right, if all of you have already made Jesus your Lord, then according to the Scripture, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And that means that this is what God created you for. He created you to fill with the Holy Spirit. So don't think that there's anything that will keep Him from filling you. This is what you were created for. Some people will teach that you got to be holy. You can't have any sin in your life. But if you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you've got problems, if you've got sin in your life, you're a prime candidate for the Holy Spirit. He won't keep you from giving. He won't keep from giving it to you. It says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So all you got to do is just open up the door of this temple just a little bit and God's going to come flooding in with all of His power. So don't let any sense of guilt or unworthiness stop you, okay? So we're just going to ask one time. We aren't going to beg because I believe God wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have Him. So you don't have to coerce Him. All you got to do is give Him a chance and He's going to fill you with the power. And then these people that are standing behind you are all Bible college students and the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're going to open up the door of this temple. Then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit to come into you. And I believe that at that time, the Holy Spirit is going to literally come and dwell on the inside of you. And then after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking. There's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe. And so I want you to quit asking and start thanking God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what you feel like, just believe and start thanking Him and blessing Him, honoring Him, doing what we were talking about tonight. He inhabits your praises and just start praising Him. And as you start praising God in English, thanking Him for the Holy Spirit, then I want to ask everybody in here who has the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues, to start speaking in tongues so that you won't feel like everybody's listening to you. And the Bible says that when we speak in tongues, you are giving thanks well. 1 Corinthians 14, 17. So we're going to start thanking God 
in our gift of tongues. And at that time, I want you to quit thanking him in English and you start speaking in tongues with us because you'll start praising God. And I know you may say, I don't know how to speak in tongues. I've got a book that will explain the whole thing. I hadn't got time to spend more time on it. But if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Somebody says, does everybody get this gift of speaking in tongues? It's like a pair of tennis shoes. They all come with tongues. <laughs> Every one of you is going to get this gift of tongues. Amen. Every one of you. So don't worry about it. God gives it to you and you just have to cooperate. And if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Is that a good deal? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these, that they're already born again, that they are your children. And we give you praise for that. According to the Word of God, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we open up the doors of our temple right now. And, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come into our life. Come and fill us. Come and give us your power. Father, we want these gifts, this gift of speaking in tongues. We welcome your power and thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Now, we lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit. Say, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We loose this power now. And Father, we thank you that we receive. Now, I want you to quit asking and start thanking God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. I want you to put your hands in the air just like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you say, I surrender. I want you to yield. The Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Thank Him now. Those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's just worship the Lord. And as we speak in tongues, you speak with us. Just start speaking now. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear somebody else say, but your tongue will be unique to you. You can't copy somebody else. But it'll get your mouth to talking. And once you start talking, don't quit. Just keep talking. Don't worry about what it sounds like. When a little baby starts talking, it doesn't sound like a language, but that father knows what that baby's saying. God, here's your heart. Man, God is blessed right now. You're bypassing your brain. You're bypassing your doubt and your unbelief. All of your confusion and you're praying straight out of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Just be bold. Talk loud enough that you can hear yourself talking in this other language. Don't worry about what it sounds like. You got to open your mouth to pray in tongues. You can't pray in tongues with your mouth closed. Thank you, Father. Oh, that's the power of God. Man, many, many, many of these are praying in tongues. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for filling these with your power. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah.
Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But you know what? For you to get the maximum benefit of this, you've got to understand what this is all about. When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues because I'd been a Baptist. And I was taught that it was of the devil. And I just wouldn't do it. I was waiting on the Holy Spirit to force me to speak in tongues. And it took me three and a half years to get this figured out. And it's not going to take you that long because I wrote all of my problems and all of the confusions that I had in this book. And I'm going to give every one of you a free copy. And if you'll read this, there have been tens of thousands of people speaking tongues after reading this book. And I believe that you can receive. So whether you spoke in tongues, I believe God gave it to you. But you just need to go ahead and cooperate and get free. And you need to understand what speaking in tongues does. It's really powerful, but it doesn't benefit you if you don't understand. So this book will help explain all of this to you. Do we have the books? Where are they? Okay, well, no. Why don't you just follow Wayne right here? Wayne's our dean of students. And if you'd follow him for just a moment, he'll give you these books. If you have any questions, they'll answer them. They'll help you any way they can. But thank you for coming. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to ask any of our second year students that are here, second and third year students, if you're here, would you come up here and what I'm going to do is ask our students. They've been sitting under the word, these second year students, at least two years third year students three years and I'd like to ask them to come up here and if any of you need prayer did you know when you get your eyes focused on the Lord it makes it so much easier to receive and these people are full of the word of God they are chomping at the bits to lay hands on somebody and we can pray for every person in here through this way you don't have to have me or one individual do it it's Jesus that's the source I'm aware that there's some people that have special anointings. I'm not one of them. My anointing is to teach, but I don't have a gift of healing, a gift of miracles or any of this. And so you don't have to have me pray for you. These people can pray a prayer of faith and we can get it done quickly. And so uh, if any of you need prayer for anything, if your faith has been quickened, you know the scripture says you abound in faith with thanksgiving. And if you receive this message that I talked about, and man, you're now beginning to start thanking and praising God for what He's done, your faith will abound. And you can see results, whereas maybe you hadn't seen them before. So if your faith's been quickened, if you would like to come and receive prayer for anything, I want to ask you to come forward right now and let someone just pray and minister to you. And we'll give you all of the time that we need to see the miracle come to pass. Amen. So if that's you, just get up out of the aisle right now and come forward. We've got some people standing at the aisles that will direct you towards someone so that you won't all get bunched up in one place. If you'd cooperate, that'll help us to get everybody covered. Daniel, what other instructions do you have? Do we have anything else going tonight? I'll let you come up and... Is that it? Okay, so the rest of you, you're welcome to stay here and pray with us as we minister to people. But if not, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And we'll be starting then. So God bless you. Thanks for coming. You're dismissed.